The following podcast is a presentation of Project Entertainment Network. Welcome to Vicious Whispers with Mark Tullius, your source for horror, sci-fi, suspense, and all things violent. Hey, what is up, guys? Thank you so much for joining me today on Vicious Whispers with Mark Tullius. Today we have episode 153. At the end, I will read one or two sections from Trying to Die at Grandma's House. Hopefully you guys are liking that one. I think we're probably about halfway through. Um, Yeah, man. Tired. Woke up a little bit early today to get this done. Busy day today. Uh, Friday morning. Tonight is the Ice Nine Kills concert, so that should be really cool. We are taking my daughter for her 14th birthday. My wife really wants to see them too. And I like them. I think it should be really cool. Jose Mangan's going to be there. I'm going to see if I could meet him in person. Uh, I got to talk to him on the phone a couple weeks ago. If you guys got to hear that, to uh, ask him if he would be in Death Fest. He said he is. I'm actually writing him into the story now. Glenn and I are. Um, all I've been working on recently is Death Fest. Really digging it. Uh, even have my own map. So... My drawings suck, but uh, it definitely helps to have some kind of visual. I was even having my son go on it yesterday. You can barely read it, barely see it. But I was like, they start here, they go there, two, three, four, five, six, whatever. Um, so having a big-ass drawing definitely helps me a lot. Because uh, then I get to see, I'm like, oh, shit, I forgot that there was that big of a space between here and here. And what could be there? Maybe it's this kind of vendor. Oh, they could have that kind of dusting there. And so being able to see stuff visualize stuff that definitely helps a lot but that is what i've been working on this week having a lot of fun with it um first five sections are really well pretty clean glenn's gonna go over it then we'll have the editor fix it all up uh i'm working on all the new little sections um but it's cool having to think a lot about bands and stuff so it really helps that i will be going to a concert tonight so i can you know remember the ringing in my ears remember like looking at the crowd um you know, all that kind of stuff, the band, the sound checks, all that stuff, that will definitely help me make this a little bit more real. Um, that's one thing I'm having Glenn go in right now because the story takes place in Iowa in the summer. Um, I was there once and it fucking sucked. Uh, I bought in uh, Des Moines, Iowa, uh, right on the river, five days notice. I was not very smart and uh, got my ass kicked. So don't have a lot of good thoughts about Iowa, although afterwards was fun. So Eh, it's good and bad. All right. Anyhow, I was asking Glenn, so I was telling him, all right, not only do we have to layer in music, but I also want to layer in uh, the heat, um, you know, the smells, what are concerts like out there. And uh, so just making it as cool, as realistic as possible. Uh, what else is going on? Let's see. Free book this week. There isn't one. You guys are screwed. I'm sorry. Hopefully you can find someone else's free book. Um, or just write to me and I'll send you one. But uh, Trans by Books 1 through 3 is discounted until the 27th, or no, until the 21st. And that is only $3. So $3 for three books. If you know anyone that would enjoy those books, please share the deal with them. Let them know what the deal is. And then Messiah, Ain't No Messiah, uh, that comes out, that's out free next week, I think, starting on the 23rd, like the 27th. So those are your free books. Um, had a really cool conversation this week. I needed it. I was so pumped up by it. And then, eh, left me. But I was like, oh, maybe talking about it again will re-motivate me. So let's see how it goes. All right. 
So my the guy who constructed our pull or reconstructed or whatever, the guy who owns this pull company, he maybe a couple months ago, he was over and I gave him a copy of TBI or CT, what the hell is wrong with me? Uh, he had, him and his wife had both read uh, lots of my fiction, love my fiction uh, from bright side on. And so they've all been really supportive, liked it, uh, gave it to him. And then he was here the other day and he looked different and he was shaved and tell he's lost weight and just looked good, looked happy. He's like, man, he's like, I gotta tell you, he's like, I am so thankful for your book. Um, after reading it, uh, he read Breath, I read uh, the Wim Hof book, I read, hey, so he's telling me, like, he read pretty much every book that I suggested and that I mentioned in TBI or CT, and he's doing all those things. So he's doing an ice bath every day, he said he puts ice into his bath every day, um, he's doing the breathing, he's doing meditation, he's doing all these things, and I was like, that is awesome, that is so cool, you know, to know how much it's helped him. Um, and so it, it also made me realize, like, fuck. I'm not doing those things anymore. I'm not doing like a regular breath session anymore. I'm not doing, you know, I've been missing all my Tuesday sessions with Joey because I've been lifting. Um, I haven't been doing ice baths. I haven't been doing cold showers. I haven't been doing all these other things. I have been doing things that are helping. Like I've been doing my exercising. I've been doing, and I do some breath work <clears throat> just throughout the day on my own. Um, but so it made, motivated me to, you know, start getting more serious about my health again, do the things that I know are really good for me. And to help share the book, a reminder to share the book, because what I'm really struggling with, why I need an agent or someone else's, I just have too much shit. I, I just can't do it all. Um, I'm realizing that I could do, I could do a half-ass job at lots of things. So I could do a half-ass job at writing, a half-ass job at promoting, a half-ass job of, you know, marketing, a half-ass job of this, this, and this. That's really not good enough. That's not what I want. I want to spend all my time fucking writing. I want to do, that's where all my attention should be. The pool guy coming over, that made me think, I was like, man, I still didn't do, go to these schools. I still didn't write these emails to, you know, uh, athletic directors. I still didn't do this and that. I still haven't gone to Costco. I still haven't done all these things to market my book, the TBI book, or my other ones. And you know, so I'll, I'll think about doing all this stuff. I was like, well, fuck, when am I going to do it? Uh, what is it going to cut into, you know? And so it's just really hard, especially being so future focused. So, so focused on like, you know, trying to really knock out Death Fest because I know Caitlin, whose book just came out uh, yesterday, um, reading it now. Congrats, Caitlin. Uh, that's awesome. Um, you know, she's going to be sending me summer camp soon. Uh, I just went over uh, Dark Fairy Tale. Evan just sent me his next two chapters, which were awesome. Evan, great job. Uh, very funny. Um, you know, so I just worked on that. I'll, I'll spend a couple of days inputting those notes and sending it back to him as well. And then uh, John Palsano just sent me an email about the Western. So we're working on that. So like, I've always got something going on. I'm always trying to create and to make this trying to die into something bigger. Um, so... You know, the time to go market my nonfiction and do all these other things or even get on social media. It's just, it, it's been tough, but fuck it, whatever. So maybe next week I will, well, I reached out to the agent that I had met in Germany. I thought things were going to work out there. Haven't heard back from her. So I'm just going to find the next best thing. So I think I am going to uh, look for an agent, at least to talk to them about trying to decide the best ways to do it. I'm very, uh, it's tough because I've been independent for so long. I, 
kind of just want to stay that way and be like, be stubborn, be like, well, fuck it, I'm going to do it. You know, I'm going to be, I'm going to do it my way. But I don't know if that makes the most sense. So if I could do something bigger and better with trying not to die, you know, now instead of me waiting for it to break out, uh, it's probably a good idea. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, last thing, last thing. I think all we have left are reader questions. Yep, let's do it. Um, man, you guys are going to know these people by heart. Emily Haynes, uh, she asked, <clears throat> this is a quick one. Uh, did you think you could be hypnotized? Um, because I have been doing hypnosis. We didn't do it this week. My hypnotist wasn't able to do it this week. So we all skipped the session. Um, but when I originally, before I did hypnotism, uh, the very first time, I wasn't sure if I could be hypnotized. I was worried about it. I was a little scared. Um, I did a past life regression. I was definitely hypnotized. It was a deep trance. Uh, I knew 100% I was hypnotized. Uh, wasn't so sure if I believed the past life regression, though, because the problem is it felt like I was just making up a story like I make up stories all the time. So and I was like, mm, I don't know. I, I didn't give it much credit whatsoever, but I was definitely under a trance. Uh, I wasn't sure if I would be able to uh, be hypnotized through Zoom, but that wasn't an issue either. I had some really good uh, hypnosis sessions <clears throat> with Alexandra when we did four sessions. Um, those were all great. Some of them were deep, some were not, depending on what she wanted. Uh, but if she wanted to put me into a deep trance through Zoom, she was able to do that as well. So uh yeah i wasn't sure if i'd be able to be hypnotized but i can be um one thing you don't have to worry about you don't have to worry about someone making you do something that you don't want to while you're hypnotized so that was kind of a concern and on my very first time i was hypnotized i also had it being recorded so that way i knew she wasn't gonna take down my pants and do all that kind of stuff or if she did i'd have video proof of it afterwards so there's that all right, uh, next question. Oh, we got two from Paul Young. All right, Paul's first question goes with the hypnosis. Um, I think he was interested in it, but a little bit scared. Let's see what Paul had to ask, if I could find the right page for Paul's questions. All right, Paul Young asked, after each hypnosis session ends, how do you feel, both physically and mentally? Do you need to come back down to earth? Um, I don't know why, but the thought of hypnosis terrifies me. Well, Paul, I think it terrifies a lot of people. Um, it's scary giving up a little bit of control, right? Like letting, giving someone access to your brain, like letting down barriers, uh, that's scary with just any person, but then someone that is actually going to be inputting messages into your brain, uh, for sure that's scary. But if it's someone you trust, if it's someone that's highly recommended, if it's someone who, you know, has great teachers like Alexandra does, then you're confident and there's nothing. But as far as the feeling, coming out of it, uh, usually just really relaxed. Uh, it's very relaxing. You're, I sit in bed or in this chair, lay back a little bit. Um, in order to be hypnotized, you have to be very relaxed. It, it, so that that's part of it is her just putting you into this state of relaxation. Um, so I come out feeling pretty good. Uh, like we worked on my anger stuff the other day. And at the end of it, she was asking if I could go back to those moments that I had been thinking about that caused all this, these anger uh, feelings when I went back they weren't there um, and they're still like if I go back to those moments now yeah it's kind of hard to feel that same kind of anger uh, just realize what it was and kind of dealt with those emotions and so I don't know probably not like a ton of energy but just probably overall relaxed uh, just feeling good um, 
mentally uh, just kind of chill. But the question I really wanted to get to was Paul's second question. He asked, um, what, what, let me get it exactly. Damn these windows. All right. Uh, oh, and this is, so I asked a question to the group on, fuck it, don't even remember if I asked it on here or not. Uh, but with the Try Not to Die series, should I go extreme on some? Should I not? Um, I have played around with that idea. Like I was thinking Death Fest would be more adult um, than these other books. Some, You know, it, it's hard limiting myself uh, when it comes to language and the amount of violence and some of the sexual stuff. Uh, so with the Shinest Die right now, they're young adult, although they're really being marketed to adults. I'm not really marketing to young adults. So part of me thinks like, well, yeah, that'd be kind of cool to have an explicit sticker on a couple of them. You know, maybe three out of the 15 are going to be the hardcore edition or something like that. Uh, everyone in the group, like out of uh, 12 people that mentioned, uh, that answered whether or not I should do it, 11 people said, yes, 100%, go for it. That'd be awesome, blah, 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 blah. Uh, one person, Anya, said no. And I was like, her no <laughs> was... Uh, and she just said, and she said, you know, go ahead and do it. She just won't read that one, but you know, you know, no big deal. Just let her know, uh, which is cool. I appreciate that. But the problem I was having, like, it just, for me, it just seems like, okay, it seems like a scumbag thing to do. If I have a young adult series, I'm marketing, let's say I'm going to high schools, I'm doing readings or even junior highs. Uh, cause I think junior high kids could read them. Um, and then all, and I have the board game out soon. And then all of a sudden I have these hardcore ones that, you know, some parents would be kind of pissed about if their kids are reading. Uh, maybe it shouldn't matter, but I just don't want to solely the trend to die name. So I think if I do do those books, I'll just call it something different. It'll probably be Wish You Were Dead or I don't know what it'll be called, but I'll do some extreme editions on that. Uh, I still want to talk to Duncan uh, Ralston about it. I'm going to wait to see what he wants to do. If he wants to go, you know, on the more tame side or um, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But it's cool having those possibilities. Sorry, Paul. Now to your question. All right. So that's what Paul was referring to. He said referring. To, right, so would the extreme versions, um, let's see, would as well as normal straight sex, would you consider a gay couple in one of your stories and make one a serial killer? All right. Uh, would I consider a gay couple in one of my stories for sure? Um, gay couple having sex? That one I probably wouldn't do on my own. I would, um, if I had a co-author that could pull it off, but I don't know. You really got to go to those moments. You got to pull from experience. Um, don't have that experience, but uh, yeah, if someone, if my partner could, and I don't know, some writers would say, well, that's bullshit. You could do it, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, maybe, but I don't know. I don't think. I don't know, I, and that's one reason, like I brought Don and Gonzalez in for trying to die in Brightside. I already kind of knew, knew the story, but I didn't know the character. I didn't know the sixteen-year-old girl. I've never been a sixteen-year-old girl. Uh, yeah, I probably could have done it, but because I had a female come in and put her perspective into it, it was much better. Um, so if I was going to write a book with a gay couple on it, I would want it to be believable. I want it to be realistic. I want it to be as honest as possible. Um, could probably do that, but then when it comes to the sex scenes, I don't know. I probably wouldn't, and I'm not a big sex scene guy anyhow. Um, so that's that's that. 
But the reason I was interested in this, I figured, why not bring it up? Uh, it kind of goes along with hypnosis, too, but about bre- breaking old beliefs. Um, I, and I ain't even talking about it, but I wrote about this uh, right before my son was born. I put out a blog article called uh, Confessions of a Homophobe. It's one of the best things I think I've written. I don't know where it is. Um, that blog is gone. But it talked about, man, most of, well, not most of my life, but early, so up through adulthood, even as an adult, I was a homophobe. Um, I was taught, I, through TV, religion especially, um, I blame a lot of shit on religion. Uh, maybe it's not fair, but man, I think so. Because um, we were taught through the Catholic Church that homosexuality was fucking wrong and you're going to hell if you did it. So as a kid, if you're taught that you're going to go to hell if you do something wrong and that's wrong, then what do you think? You think that's wrong. So, and if there's no one else saying, well, that is not wrong. And if all you're seeing on TV is homosexual people being made fun of, if they're even on it. Um, yeah. So I was, you know, that's, that's when I grew up and this isn't to justify it to say any of my actions are right. I'm ashamed. I'm ashamed by them. Um, I wish I hadn't been that way. There were a couple of things that happened along the way uh, that really helped me change my mind. The biggest thing though, was going to Esalon. So I would just had my daughter. I was uh, at the start of my writing career, hoping to make it. I was going to UCLA extension program. Um, and they suggest I go to Esalon for a riding retreat and it was for seven days. And I didn't think I could do it. I wasn't sure. And then, but I was reading up on this instructor. I'd never heard it before. Tom Spanbauer, uh, it turned out he was uh, Chuck Polonyuk's uh, bike club's uh, mentor. And I love trucks riding. So, uh, I was like, well, let's just check it out. Let's, let's see about it. And then I was reading up on Tom and I saw that him and his partner, uh, Michael Sage Ricci were teaching the class and that they're a partner. So, um, they weren't married at the time because California didn't have that yet. But, uh, so I went and it was, <clears throat> it was an amazing experience. Not only did they transform the way that I looked at writing, but between the two of them, I got to see so much love. Um, I was like, there was so much more love. I saw so much more love between those two people, Sage and Tom, than I did between most other married couples I've ever seen. So that really transformed the way that I thought about um, homosexuality. Uh, Maybe really question those beliefs, look at them. Um, you know, there there were other things. One of the guys that I played with uh, who lived across the street, uh, across the hall from me at Brown University, I played football with, uh, he was... Uh, He's a homosexual, but he had to hide all that because of guys like me and everyone else on team that would be calling each other cocksuckers or, or making fun of gay people or whatever it was. So, no, that definitely, that was a part of me that, uh, yeah, don't like killed off. Um, but, uh, and I'm glad for those experiences. I'm glad to be able to, and that's one reason why I tell everyone, man, I was like, yeah, beliefs are beliefs. It doesn't like beliefs are not facts. Beliefs can change. Uh, just because you believe something doesn't mean it's real. If you believe homosexuality is homosexuality is evil, that doesn't mean it's fucking evil. It means you believe it's evil because of whatever experiences you've had in your life. And uh, so, whatever. <sighs> All right, that's my confession. Confession of the motherfucking homophobe. All right, let's get on to Grandma's house. I hear people awake. I need to go feed kids. 
I gotta read fucking fast. Let's do this shit. All right, trying not to die at Grandma's house. Your choice. Your sister's up a tree with this guy. Uh, what's the little dude's name? Uh, Charlie. That's right. They're up a tree. They see something across the fence. This beast. You want to see what it is? You either have to find another way to look. You ask Sam what she sees, or you climb up the tree. Um, let's see. I don't even know what the right answer is, but I think I can find it. All right. We will go with this one on. Let's try, ask Sam what she sees. Page 151. Sam, hey, what do you see? Shut up, David. Charlie smiles, and I hate both of them right now. Just tell me. No, you can look for yourself. Sam, I'm not going to ask you again. Now tell me. God, shut. Sam's head turns so fast she loses her grip. She slides off the branch. Charlie tries to reach out, but it's too late. Sam hits a branch, which flips her forward. I run to catch her. She's screaming as she hits another branch. It flips her again. The top of her skull hits the ground. Her neck snaps, sending her body to the right. I run over. Her vertebrae didn't break the skin, but they're jutting up, jutting right up against it. Her eyes are open, and for a second, I think she's okay. But then a beetle crawls into her mouth. Try again. Good job, guys. All right, let's try the other one. Forget what the other one was, but I think it was, oh, climb up a tree. All right. The lowest branch looks safe. I start climbing. There are enough handholds to make it sort of easy, but my foot slips. I reach and grab a branch. I look down. It's only 15 feet, but everything tunnels and it looks like a mile. Shh, David, Sam whispers. I must have screamed. Embarrassment fills my face. I pull and rise until I'm at their branch. It won't hold the three of us, so I hang onto the trunk and look out. He lives here? Sam whispers. If you call it that. I finally see the beast. It's bear-like, but walking around on two legs. The mangy fur is patches of exposed raw skin. His ears are pointed straight up like a wolf's. The black snout is wet, nostrils flared. His hands or paws or whatever are long and bony. They're holding something. It's wiggling. What is he? Sam asks. My daddy says it's your grandpa's boyfriend. Charlie clearly thinks he's hilarious, but no one is laughing. I'm too focused on the beast. How long has he been here? I ask. Don't know. First time I saw him was after they found your brother down at the bottom of the ravine. All these cops were around your brother, and I saw this thing running up the hill. Grandpa must have trapped the beast and built the fence to keep it in. But I don't get why he didn't kill it if it really did that to Tim. The thing looks deranged. Oh, yeah, look, he's going to snack, Charlie says. The beast brings the wiggling thing in his hand to his mouth. Huge fangs slick with saliva glisten in the sun. The snack seems to be a squirrel. Even from this distance, we hear the chop mingling with the crunching of bones, the ripping of flesh. Sam groans. It's loud enough to catch the beast's attention. He turns and stares up at us with his red, glowing eyes. It's like a horror movie. We're all frozen in the tree. The beast rears back and roars. Birds take off all around us, scattering to the sky. Sam and Charlie duck their heads, but I keep staring. I recognize something. It must be a memory from some movie because it doesn't make any sense. The beast no longer seems as frightening. He's more scared than anything. He takes off into the tall grass. Now he's on all fours and he's fast, leaping a few times about two feet off the ground. Then he disappears into a cave. The field, pond, and cave suddenly look like a zoo. Oh crap, Sam says. She's looking in the distance. Grandpa's car kicks up dust as it winds around a bend. I climb down as fast as I can, but Sam's already on top of me. Her foot nearly smashed my fingers. I jump and hit the ground. Sam follows. 
Charlie dangles from a branch and drops right next to us. He says, I can distract him if you want. He already hates me. Okay, I say, even though all I really want is to ask Charlie more about the beast and Tim. Charlie takes off running towards the road. I stare at the fence. I can't see the beast, but I know he's coming out from his cave. Come on, David, Sam says, and we run through the trees. It doesn't seem to take as long to get back to the yard. Grandpa's car isn't there yet. I wonder if Charlie flung himself on the hood or something. That kid seems even crazier than Sam. I see Grandma through the kitchen window. She's making lunch. Sam heads for the porch, but I pull her back. We're both winded and look too guilty to face her or Grandpa. Grandpa is sitting in his idling car because Charlie is walking on his hands, blocking the road. Grandpa lays on the horn. I pull Sam around the side of the house. The axe is sticking out of the stump. I grab a log and set it upright just like he did. It takes a few jerks to get the axe out, and when I finally do, the weight nearly sends me falling back on my butt. But I grip, get a grip and slam it down. I hit the log, but not straight on. A small sliver flies off and nearly hits Sam's leg. Grandpa finally drives past Charlie. I tell Sam to grab some firewood by the house. We pretend to stack freshly cut logs. Grandpa gets out of the car with a huge black duffel bag. It looks heavy. Something is clink clinking inside it. What's going on? He says. Oh, just stocking up. Did I say you could use the axe? I look down at the blade. No, sir. Just thought I'd help. After last night, I figured you and Grandma could never have too much. He cocks his head, clearly not buying this, but he turns and walks inside with a duffel bag. I toss two pieces of wood on the pile. Why do you have to do that? Sam asks. If we didn't have a good reason for being all sweaty, he'd be suspicious. Sam picks the splinter from her finger. Well, so what if he is? I don't care. We're leaving today. And where are we going to go? Home? You think Grandma and Grandpa are just going to move, move into our old house? I don't know. I don't care what they do. Well, there's no way they're going to just drop us off alone. But what about... The Andersons are moving, and there's no way they'll take us with them. Sam looks to the house. But Grandma said, she said that to keep you quiet. It's only been a day. They'll find a way to stall. I can tell. Well, I'm not staying. I'll run away. Yeah, you want to be out here at night? It's not fair. I put my hand on her shoulder. Keep your voice down. She squirms away. Her eyes get big when she looks at his car. We'll steal it. You can drive it. It doesn't sound like a bad idea. Better than pretending to chop wood, at least. But even if we get it, where are we going to go, Sam? Home. Anywhere. Doesn't matter. As long as it isn't here. They'll follow us. Just bring us back. Not if we go to the cops. I'll say Grandpa hit me. Her plan might buy us some time, or maybe even work. But Grandpa Joe is ex-military. The cops will probably believe him, not us. Those types always stick together. Come on, David, Sam says. We just need to get his keys. I'll do it. No problem. I have no doubt she'll get them. It's me I'm worried about. I've never been able to keep a secret. I always look guilty. Sam and Tim used to apply me for information all the time. They never had a single Christmas surprise. Sam, Dad used to say if he ever decided to give away his money, he'd just bankroll me in poker. I hated all his little cracks about me, but I'd give anything to have him back. Dad would never have let us come here. As much as Grandpa made him nervous, Dad would have stood up for us. But I'm not Dad. I'm not Tim either. Heck, I'm not even Sam. If Grandpa suspects we're planning on something, he'll lock us up or worse, shove us out on the lawn when the sun goes down. But Grandma might listen to us. Maybe. What if we just give it a bit more time, I say. No, David, we have to go now. Once it gets dark, we'll be locked inside. Sam clearly needs me to man up. She can't handle what we went through last night again. And who knows what else is out there. All right, decision time. Cause a distraction so st Sam can steal Grandpa's keys. Find a way to steal the keys yourself or forget the keys and just run. All right. 
causes a distraction so Sam could steal the grandpa's keys, find a way to steal the keys yourself, or forget the keys and just run. Well, good luck, guys. I'm going to get ready for a wonderful day of yoga, taking the kids to school, riding death best, and seeing ice nine motherfucking kills. All right. Hope you have a wonderful day, too. Thank you for listening. I, I will talk to you later. Peace. This has been a presentation of the Project Entertainment Network.